Well, Happy New Year. Now, I'm not sure you really believe that. So we're going to do a little warm-up for the, for the year. And, and I'm impressed that you are here today and that we have uh, a pretty good group here this morning. So uh, just say it's going to be a good year. I, I want to hear you say that, and it may take a few times. And I'm from East Texas, so you got to say gonna. Um, that, that's the way you say it. Like I'm fixing to have a good year, and I'm going to have a good year. So say, I'm going to have a good year. year. That's pretty good, pretty good. Maybe one more time, put a little more belief in that. Um, So let's go ahead. What do you think, Bill? That work? Okay. All right, good job, good job. Well, I, uh, I hope you had a good uh, Christmas, and if you weren't here Saturday for our Christmas Eve service, uh, you may have shown up on Sunday and found that no one was here, uh, and I'm glad a lot of people um, did, did not do that this morning, that, uh, that everybody's here, but um, it was a, a good service where we came together and just celebrated the, the birth of Christ, and I hope that it has been a good week for you and uh, that you are looking forward to this, this new year. I want to uh, say thanks to my wife for uh, kicking me out of the house this week. Nothing new, nothing new about that, right? Um, to finish my paper, I, I've been working on this uh, paper. Uh, it's uh, 100 pages of stuff I had to get finished this past week. And so she said, don't come home until you get it finished. Um, And I got it finished. Uh, And I want to thank Sabra Hicks for um, keeping things rolling around here and uh, just to where I could be gone and know that she's uh, taking care of things, which is pretty much the case any week. (laughs) But um, anyway, it's been been a good week, and I, I look forward to this next week and this next new year. Uh, well, as we look at, at the current events, and I appreciated uh, Sabra's prayer this morning because we look at our country, we look at our world, and we see the need for us to come together uh, and that we are better when we are working together, when we are striving for some of the common goals that we have. But the phrase, a political chess game, uh, that is something I've heard a lot in this past week. And that's how some political commentators are describing the current events between Russia and the United States. Also, you could look at this between Israel and the United States or the UN and a lot of things that have been uh, shifting and going on this past week. It may be more accurate to describe that it is between Putin um, and, did I say that like, um, what's her name? Um can see Russia from here. Uh, Putin and Trump, uh, Putin and Obama, uh, that, that uh, you know, the speculation is because Obama is going out of office and because uh, they're just uh, really playing games with one another uh, here at the end, that that's what's going on, or that this is between Obama and Trump, uh, that Obama's trying to get one last dig in before Trump comes in. Some speculate it's just between Uh, Putin and Trump, that they are um, trying to measure each other up and that we'll see what happens there. But 
after all of our intelligence agencies confirmed that the Russians hacked into the Democratic Party computers and, and emails, and I think some more evidence of that came out uh, just uh, yesterday from Vermont, but also just knowing that they're stirring up trouble, uh, President Obama has responded with sanctions and the expulsion of, I think, 35 Russian diplomats from the United States. And his move led the Russians to counter uh, or to counter move by announcing the expulsion of U.S. diplomats from Russia. And then uh, Putin added another move, uh, appearing to take the high road uh, by overriding the expulsions and stating that, no, they can stay uh, at least until President-elect was, uh, Trump was elected to determine if they would take any action or not. So a lot of this stuff that's been going on, uh, it's complicated, and really, does it remind you of middle school? Uh, it does, it, it, like childish uh, antics. And we have so many things that we need to work on as humans in this world and it seems like that uh, we can't just seem to get there. But all of this makes what we've just heard from Matthew's gospel sound pretty familiar, right? Uh, the world really has not changed that much. There's a chess game of sorts that's going on in this chapter in Matthew uh, that Herod the Great is playing as Rome's appointed leader over the Jews. He was to keep them in line to make sure that they were uh, not causing trouble, they were not stirring up insurrections, and and that uh, he was able to maintain a sense of control over them. And what we know of Herod the Great is that he wasn't really great. Not for the people that he governed, not for the people that he was supposed to protect, not for the babies that he slaughtered in Bethlehem. By the way, we don't have a historical record of that short of what Matthew mentioned. And the speculation is there may have been like 20, 20 babies in Bethlehem, not a big place. And, uh, but if it happened, uh, that would play very much into what we know about Herod and how terrible he was. As uh, Alan Culpepper notes in his commentary on Matthew, Herod never felt secure. Even though he had been appointed by the Roman government, and he had uh, a lot of things that he could do uh, and, and be fairly independent. He was never secure. He killed the descendants of the Hasmoneans so that he would have no rival. Uh, Culpepper says when he suspected intrigue in his own family, he killed his own wife and one of his sons. Before he died, he commanded at his death, political prisoners should be freed uh, and then killed so there would be mourning through the land. So just in case nobody would be mourning, he wanted to make sure that that was going to happen. Herod's opponent in the game is not just his own insecurity about what might happen to him. It is against flesh and blood threats to his power. And he's wanting to make sure that nothing is going to happen with his reign. News of a new king born in Bethlehem gets his attention. And if you remember that from the, uh, the reading we had last week and the, the Christmas story uh, where there's a, a change and a shift where the, the uh, wise men have to, uh, to make a little bit of a change in their, their plans. Uh, but we find that Herod learns what's going on. And baby Jesus is Herod's new opponent. 
Can you imagine being challenged by a baby? You hear that this baby's being born and people think it's the king. Uh, It's going to be the king of the Jews. And so you get worried about that as a grown man and someone who's been vested with all of this power. Well, what Herod didn't understand is that though opposing flesh and blood, he was really opposing God in flesh and blood. And Herod would lose. We see here in this text that we've heard uh, this morning, he, he did die. He passed on and they were able to, uh, Joseph and Mary were able to come back. And then they had to shift again because of a new uh, person that was going to be over them and that that was not going to be good. So they uh, went to Nazareth. But aren't we living in a world similar to Joseph and Mary and Jesus We live in a dangerous world, one driven by anxiety, one driven by greed, power, maybe indifference, and hate. This past year has been one bloated with political maneuvering. This chess game has been going on in a lot of different ways. It has also been a year of terrorism. We tend to forget or uh, our bodies or our minds help us to forget the terrible things that take place. But if you go back and you read some of the articles that are in the paper today or that are going to be on TV where they're recounting the events of 2016, it was a bloody year. Not only in places like Orlando where the act of terrorism took place there, but in the streets of places like Baton Rouge and Dallas and, and uh, all around the United States. A very difficult year. In just a moment, we're going to have a funeral for it um, as we end the, the service. But it's been a year of terrorism, of racism, of incivility, of racial unrest, discrimination, like where people can go to the bathroom and stuff, saber-rattling, and injustice. It seems the only justice of this year was with the Cubs winning the World Series, right? <laughs> That's pretty much uh, all we can think of. Wow, they, it finally happened. So here we are in, in a world Jesus has been born into. And we just celebrated that and we continue. This is still a part of the Christmas season. And as we recognize this world, one that still includes opponents and obstacles to what God brings into our world and what this baby, this child brings into our world. And like the early Christians who would hear Matthew's gospel, uh, as they would hear it years later, read to them, or as they would read it and contemplate the life of Christ as Matthew described it, We are to realize today the significance of Christ's birth in the plan of God for the world. Herod the Great had his plan for the world. And the Romans had their plans for the world. And it seemed like those plans would never end. And they went on for a long time. But God has his plan for the world. And we are to see our broken and dangerous world as the Egypt that God is delivering us from. Think about that. There is this story, ongoing story, 
that uh, Jesus' family would tell, that their ancestors would tell, that they would continue to repeat so that no one would forget the exodus from Egypt. That they were in bondage and slavery in Egypt. They cried out to God. God heard their cry and delivered them. And He delivered them through Moses. That they would uh, confront Pharaoh and then ultimately be freed from the oppression of that. Here we see Jesus uh, and His family. His family's taking Him to Egypt to get away. But then we see them coming back. There is this imagery of an exodus that is uh, coming out of Egypt and into this place where God wants them to be. And we are to realize the significance of Christ's birth in this plan of God, that Jesus is one who is like the new Moses, right? That He is delivering His people, that He is taking them to a better place. And it's not an easy task, but it's something that He is doing. And we can reflect on how He is our uh, leader today as well and leads us onward to a promised land. We are not to deny that there are obstacles that exist along the way and, and you're just dreaming if you think that this next year will be trouble-free. It won't be. We pray that it won't be uh, maybe as, as bad as things that we might have faced in 2016. But there's no assurance it's going to be an easy year. But what we can have assurance of today is that we're going to go into it ready for whatever may come, but knowing that we have God with us. Emmanuel continues with us, and we can face anything. But we know that there will be obstacles that will exist along the way. And we are to see that they ultimately can't stop God's work in the world. Herod couldn't do it. You see this back and forth, this maneuvering. And God continues to, to make sure that things are happening in the right way. The journey of entering a new and better world isn't an easy one at all. I mean, we complain, don't we? Uh, like the folks who are out in the, in the wilderness wandering around, you know, for all these years. And as they're out there, they complain. God gives them manna, you know, bread that comes down from heaven, fresh every day. And they start complaining about it. Well, back in Egypt, at least we had steaks. Or at least we had uh, um, cheesecake. Che- cheesecake. I was going to say uh, hummus. Hummus? Oh, hummus. Oh, man, y'all are real classy. I was going to say ramen noodles. That's what I keep trying to say. At least back in Egypt, we had ramen noodles. Oatmeal. Y'all are just making me hungry. But they complained, and we realized that we do the same thing. This journey we're on with God is not a short one. It's not always an easy one. But we are to see that God has not given up on what He is doing in the world. And we shouldn't give up either, though we feel like it at times. And what we are apt to forget is that we are the way that God is working for a better world. We complain about it, we talk about it, and we sometimes 
miss the point that we are what God is doing in the world. That we are the instruments of that. We are the vehicles that God will use to bring change and His plans into the world. And remembering this should inspire us for 2017. That's right, I said inspire. I believe that God wants us to be inspired about this next year. And judging on your response a few minutes ago, you are. You feel inspired. Today, you feel good about 2017. And God wants us to continue to have that sense of inspiration about the things that could happen. In what ways can we, as followers of Jesus, see God's hand still at work in our world? this world that seems to be unraveling faster than we can comprehend. The rate of change and the pace is alarming. And we wonder, what can we even do about it? This world seems so out of control. What can we do? And how can we move past the Herods of our time and accomplish what God wants for this world? What goals can we make as a church to accomplish this? Well, these are some things that we will be talking about in this month as we look ahead and think about what could take place in this next year, to think about the amazing things that could happen. And I think also a good question to ask is, in what ways will you, as an individual, as one who follows Jesus, in what ways will you participate in that effort in 2017? How will God use you specifically? And don't say that God can't use you. Don't say that God won't use you. Don't even say you'd be surprised if God would use you. God will use you. And you must allow God to do that. Why not take some time today to get away, of course, after the Dallas Cowboy game, which starts at noon. Why not take some time this afternoon and, and just make a list? Some of you don't like resolutions, and that's fine. I, I make them and I break them. But think about what it is that God wants you to be involved with this next year. It may be one thing. That's good. Most of us can only keep up with one thing. It may be several things that you list, but but write them down. Pray about them. And then keep that list with you. And then think about what is the next step that I need to take to make these things happen. And ask God to continue to give you guidance and light as you set out in God's plan for this next year. Well, we went to see uh, Rogue One the other day. How many of you have seen Rogue One? It's not a car, although there is a Rogue. So not many of you. I won't spoil it. But I thought it lived up to all of the buzz and, and all of the hype about it. So uh, I definitely won't, won't spoil it, but I'd like to. But I'm sure you know how it ends. As the other Star Wars... Uh, movies have. I mean, there's kind of a typical 
ending to it. And the plot is about good versus evil, about light versus darkness, and empire versus rebellion, a rebel alliance versus a planet killer. And they have developed this. I mean, it really would destroy a whole planet. It doesn't seem all that far-fetched. But the movie is full of more spiritual analogies. I'm going to mine this movie for probably most every sermon for the rest of the year because there's so much that's there, so many analogies that I could list. But, but there is a permeating storyline about the spiritual force that is working for the galactic good. That sounds pretty nerdy, doesn't it? But there is this force. It's not just saying, may the force be with you, but there is something that is deep and underneath all of of what is going on with the actions of the movie. The cause for good is led by a very unlikely, extremely diverse group of rebels who overcome an evil empire with their rebellion. You can see some, some of them on there. And I think as, as I think about those folks, as I watch the movie, I thought about church. Not just our church, but what God intended for the church to always be to be a rebel alliance, to be a a rebellion against the empire of the world, the Herods, if you will, that God wants us to do the things that are on God's plan because that is what uh, is going to make this world what God intended it to be. So the rebellion, I think that's a fitting metaphor for the church. The power of light versus the forces of darkness. Isn't that what we see in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus? Let us remember it in the bread and the cup this morning on this day one of a brand new year. Let's pray.